Welcome to Half Court and Midrange. I am here today with Cortland Schoonover. Hi, everybody. Joel Sherman joins us via the phone. Hey, what's up, guys? And the uh, incredibly handsome Greg Seaver. talking a little bit about our our clothes that we're wearing and so first going to describe everybody's clothes and give the listener a moment to guess who's wearing what one of us is wearing a white t-shirt and kind of blue light blue corduroy skinny jeans uh one of us is wearing a short sleeve checkered blue shirt and some you know uh straight fit gray uh, khaki pants, possibly chinos. Uh, and he's uh, got some, he or I, actually, <laughs> some uh, some pattern checkered socks with some uh, gray and light gray and black. Uh, those are actually... Uh, <laughs> socks that, that you purchased? I was about to say, those socks looked really familiar. <laughs> yes, those are socks that potentially were going to be used for our friend's uh, wedding for the groomsmen. I was actually rooting for those. I purchased them. Uh, Which they would were... make sense if you were the one wearing them. Yes. Uh, Which it, it could be you. It could be me. Uh, they were rejected by the bride, as it turns out. Uh, so we wore just like cotton, like thick gray socks. Uh, anyhow... Um, another one of us is wearing a maroon compound shirt. Shout out to Carrie Craven. She made those. And mesh Adidas shorts, uh, blue with yellow stripes and flip-flops. And then Joel, what are you wearing? Or Joel, <laughs> he is wearing one of us. What, uh, what are the people a, in your area? Where, a red t-shirt and some shorts from Massey's. Nice. Shout out Massey's in New Orleans on Carrollton. Nice. Shout out to Massey's. Um, so listeners, you now have a moment to guess who is wearing what. Um, they and... can't actually tell us right now. <laughs> <laughs> I realize you can't tell us, but that Phone was an exercise. If you're listening. Call Greg Siever. Uh, or tweet at us, or leave an <laughs> iTunes review uh, with who you think is wearing what. Um, but that leads us in the segue of Greg. Uh, so Greg walked in. I haven't seen Greg in a while. Um, I would say I generally appreciate Greg for his comfortable dress style um, and unique. He wears funny ties sometimes. Um, wears a lot of mesh shorts and t-shirts. Uh, but he's really... Switched it up. He was the one in the the chino straight fit chinos, blue checkered shirt, and these uh, kind of hip shoes. I don't know. They kind of got like straps. There's something they don't have straps. They're it looks like a cobbler made them. You know, they're, they're, they're old um, school. Suede uh, chuchuka, chuchuka desert boots. boots yeah. yeah, desert chuka boots. Okay. Is there a brand for those, or is that? Uh, these are Astorflex chuka okay. boots. Gotcha. Astorflex. Um. But I would say, like, maybe four times more stylish than I've ever seen Greg Seaver. Thank you, Ray. Maybe we can take a picture and uh, post it with a podcast. Yeah, I think we can do pictures on the yeah. website. Websites yeah. and pictures, they're pretty interchangeable. Or yeah, I don't know. What is a website versus a picture, really? No, they're the same. They're equivalent. <laughs> they're equivalent. 
Um, well, I think we covered our fashion segment of the podcast. Um, getting uh, into the big news, we we uh, brought Greg and Joel on uh, because they're our friends and they have good insights, but also because their their teams just engaged in a trade, a notable trade. Carmelo Anthony uh, got traded from the Knicks, who uh, Greg is a fan of, to the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, who Joel is a fan of, for uh, Inez Cantor, Doug McDermott, and the Bulls' second-round draft pick, which probably will be good next year. Um, and so we wanted to get uh, your guys' takes on it. Uh, Joel, you want to start? Uh, how are you feeling about this trade as a Thunder fan? I am feeling good. Um, I mean, anytime you can get off of that in a scanner money, uh, you know, it, it, they would have been happy to just get rid of that contract for nothing, I think, and to get Mello, who, you know, maybe Greg will feel like, uh, you know, is a, well, I guess for the Thunder, a subtraction by addition. But I think, I don't know, I'm trying not to get too too excited about it, you know. I guess there's been all this talk about, like, Olympic Mello and Hoodie Mello over the summer, and that would be great if he was some sort of amalgam of those two alter egos. Um, but I think my hope is that worst case scenario, he's like somebody who they can drop isolation plays for at the end of games and doesn't take too much away from Westbrook and Paul George, uh, for the majority of the games. Uh, so yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about it. I'm excited for the Thunder. I think... I think they're now I, – I think they're definitely solidly the third best team in the West now, which is huge because if they can if they can actually get the third seed, that means they avoid the Warriors in the second round, right? Hmm. So that's, it I would, think, depending on where the Warriors thing. finish. Yeah, I would, um, I would put them behind – the I would put them behind the Warriors, Spurs, and Rockets still, personally. But still, Court, Court what do you think? Oh, I wasn't. I'm yeah. I'm not as sure about the Spurs maybe as I am about the Rockets. Mm. But I'm not. I'm only really sure about the Warriors. Yeah. Um. What what do you, what's your ranking, Joel? You got the um, Rockets and the Warriors those, ahead of them. So- yeah, and I even think, I mean, I think that they'll be neck and neck with the Rockets. Um, I, I've heard people say that the that the Rockets additions fit together better, and I don't really understand that. I mean, I think Chris Paul and James Harden will be good together, but I still think it's going to be more of an adjustment for them, both being, like, really ball-dominant, essentially point guards, you know, uh, guys who want to play with the ball in their hands. I think that's, I think it's going to be, you know, clearly Westbrook, George and Melo are all ball dominant, but they definitely don't play the same position. And Melo and George have both shown themselves to be really good, uh, you know, spot up shooters, catching, 
shoot players. You know, I think, like I said, you know, Melo might get some ISO plays, you know, especially down the stretch. And George will definitely want to, you know, have the ball in his hands a lot too. But hopefully that can come when Westbrook on the bench primarily and you know they can play more off the ball i mean westbrook is i think gonna coming off that mvp season is gonna still be kind of the you know also being the the uh incumbent you know superstar there in oklahoma city is gonna be the one who's gonna be leading the team so yeah yeah i i agree um i think it'll be really if they can stagger mellow uh, and Westbrook, and then in that time Westbrook's off the floor, allow Melo to primarily create shots, and then actually have Melo assume a secondary or even uh, be the third scorer. I think that that could, if they're just trading though, if they're just like trading ISOs, I don't know how good that. Especially when Melo is ISOing, because like Westbrook is not spreading the floor uh, when he doesn't have the ball, so. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope that their I hope that their offense is a little more creative than it has been in the past. But I mean, I think that I think Melo too. By you're saying Russ crashing by, to the rim and uh, just bodies flying everywhere uh, is not a creative offense. Yeah. Yeah, Russ crashing to the rim and not passing it to Demonis Sabonis uh, out of the three-point line because uh, he doesn't want to see him brick another three. That's not the most creative. It is not. Um, but yeah, and I think I think Melo is ready to take that tertiary role. Uh, you know, I think that not only the fact that he like agreed to go to Oklahoma city um, in the first place, which, you know, probably had, well, definitely had more to do with just getting out of the situation in New York, but, but waving the trade kicker in his contract. Um, and I think he, you know, well, I, I, I feel like he sees himself as this sort of elder statesman, you know, um, who's going to be willing to sacrifice some of his, role like his star i mean if he wanted to be a star he could have stayed in new york i mean obviously the media presence is going to be way bigger there you know i think he's ready to my hope at least is that he's ready to play better basketball you know more team basketball in oklahoma city yeah yeah i would i would hope so too and they'll they'll be way more they'll be super fun to watch if he is willing to assume a more complimentary role and it's not just iso trade-offs um but we will see. Um, moving to the other side of things, Greg. Uh, it's a. This is a. It's a. It's a. It's a pivotal point for the Knicks. We got here. They've got rid of Phil Jackson. They still have Chris Stapps. They have a bunch of terrible guys on the team. Terrible contracts. Not terrible people. Terrible guys that aren't that good at basketball. Relative to the. Some of them might the be average. terrible people too. They might be. Yeah. We We're trying say. to be neutral about. Yeah. We'll we'll be neutral about that. Uh. And uh, and now they make this trade, getting rid of it's the end of an era, the Carmelo era. How are you feeling? Yeah, so I would say about this trade, um, you know, a lot of upside for Melo, um, a lot of upside for the Thunder, and and just remains to be seen seen how much potential downside for the Knicks. It seems like these moves, um, 
always tend to go that way in in that you think that oh well this could be not that bad um and then <laughs> like it's just it's a disaster um and uh you know every time they kind of go through like a different um sort of eminence basketball eminence whether it's larry brown or phil jackson you think well this guy's going to bring the winning aura and all these things that look like you know they could actually be great end up being that way and um so i just kind of wonder who who will get the stench this time um now that all the big names are out of town uh i guess the the angle of this trade that i think has been under discussed especially in these politically divisive times um <laughs> has been uh the acquisition of Cantor, mm. uh, the turkish dissident um and and i feel like maybe that's what the knicks need right now they kind of have this like it's a stench of corporate failure on them and uh i don't know i've, I've enjoyed watching Cantor play um back when he was with the jazz but um i was i was just intrigued by seeing these headlines and what was going on in turkey and uh I guess he was pretty critical of the um, the Erdogan administration. That's how I uh, and had his uh, his passport revoked, and then was even stuck in some kind of European bureaucratic limbo for a while. Um, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the uh, New York media coverage of that situation as it unfolds. Yeah, how do you think that will? How do you think his specific place right now? His role in this. Uh, conflict particularly plays in New York. Like, what what is it about uh, countering that corporate uh, world? What what is it about? What's the connection there? You made an illusion. I'm to just that. looking forward to the New York Post <laughs> with putting putting him on the back cover with some kind of pun. Okay, um, okay, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I don't have anything insightful to add. I think it just um I'm looking forward to seeing it play out. Yeah. Um, uh I mean the Knicks they they the Mellow situation was a disaster and they needed to shed themselves of of him and uh and I'm glad they did. I think most reviews that I've read of the trade said that it's it's generally viewed as a win for the Thunder and uh people kind of wondering well, you know, the Knicks couldn't get more for him, but it seems like uh, superstars are are going for cheaper now in the trade market. Um, I was I, I when I looked at it, I was surprised that you couldn't at least get a first round pick out of this. Um, I though think, I guess they did in the sense that they got two former first round picks. I think the challenge is, is that he's not a superstar anymore. He's like a solid, and especially in today's NBA, he is a a very good player. Well, he's a very good offensive player, but he's not incredibly efficient. He plays like a style of ISO scoring that even if you're really good at it, it's hard to be efficient at it. Um, he doesn't play great defense. So I think he is just... And I think, honestly, one of the biggest reasons the Knicks made the trade is because he has a $28 million option next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think largely it was just to get off of that. Cantor's contract only goes for another two years, right? But it it's smaller, yeah. I think. Um, so yeah. basically they'll so save, it's a little save money. Smaller. I think he's like I think he's gonna be less than twenty million next year. Mm. Um so I think I think that was a big and it actually is a good it, it should be like a top five pick in the second round that they got from the Bulls. Um so it's not yes. that much different That's than like Malcolm a late Brogdon and Joe Harris level right there. That is that is UVA uh prime level. I don't know who the player is next year. 
probably not anybody, but yeah, they have younger guys that'll probably stick around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But on your point on Mel, I mean, I, I would, I would say he's been that way for like the, at least the last five years. Almost. I remember back when, um, before he even got traded to the Knicks, I think it might've been Zach Lowe or someone on ESPN basically posted a, a splice argue, uh, like a, a, a series of videos spliced together. Um, just arguing that his best role uh, on the Nuggets was as a spot-up corner three shooter and, and mm. spliced together about 10 video clips of the offense working really well because he just provided lots of spacing, basically sitting in the corner and um, in corner threes or sometimes kind of going to the, uh, just like taking a few steps in and getting short jumpers. And um, I mean, I feel like if he can do that, that's great. That's saves him a lot of effort and um, is probably his most efficient role on the team. Pretty much anything else that he wants to do seems to have a, a pretty big dip in efficiency. He's so good at the Olympics, too. And, and didn't he do some of that the last year that he was successful in, well, that the Knicks were successful? What year was that? Uh, I don't remember what year it was. Memory. Was, was the that one Jason kid when they were hitting all those threes? Yeah, it was the one year they hit all those threes. I think they won like 50 games, 52 games? 2010, maybe? maybe? Yeah, they had um, was Jr. on that team, and um, I think yeah, I think they had uh, Jr. 2013. Think, yeah, um, that sounds right. And I think he was creating a lot then. I think you're I think you're right, Greg. He has been that player for a while. Mm-hmm. But I think the issue is the league has gotten more efficient. They understand like how simply by like drive and kicking and getting a bunch of three-point shooters, you can have a really good offense uh, and or getting to the line more. Um, and, like, the league is also smarter at understanding that, like, valuing players like Carmelo less. So I agree his game hasn't changed that much, but I think it just the league is, like, kind of caught up to him and the the allure is off him. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I would say, despite what, what I've read with a lot of negative views, when I looked at it at first, I was like, yeah, you should get a first-round pick out of that. But other than that, I was like, this is really fine. Seeing yeah. how, I mean, um, what the Pacers got for Paul George, I thought this is comp- – and and um, the Jimmy Butler trade, too. Like, this is yeah. – it, it could have been worse. And, yeah, it, and those, it's hard to see how it could be that much better. I would say relative to – I would say like Carmelo had the least value of those players, but the Knicks got like a better return for Melo's value than the Bulls got for Butler or the Pacers got for George. Yes. Um, yeah, I would say that. Well, the second round pick is as good of an asset as any of those teams got, right? And I think Kaner is probably. Uh, the best. I'm trying to think now. I think Canner's the best player in any of those deals, isn't he? Well, I think you'd probably want Zach Levine over Canner, even if, like, I'm not a big Zach Levine I'm fan. Not, yeah, but I guess I'm not taking into account his contract, but just in terms of like the the player, I feel like he's still a more. I mean, defensive foibles aside, he's still like a more effective player at this point than Zach Levine. I think. That's but, probably uh, maybe not. right. I'd probably rather. I'm not a big Oladipo fan either, but I'd I'd rather Oladipo than Canner, even if I don't like Oladipo. Canner's just defense is so bad, and I don't want like a post yeah. kind of brute guy. But yeah, I don't, yeah, I guess o- Oladipo is maybe the maybe yeah 
maybe you'd rather have him. Although I can say from listening to Thunder podcasts over the summer, people in OKC were getting pretty pumped about Canner's development. Apparently he, he claimed he lost like 40 pounds over the summer um, and has been working on his three, you know, which like everybody else, I'm sure. But, but he's like, I think he's shown that he's got the sort of shot that, I have some faith that maybe he could uh, develop a decent corner three. So I, I think he could end up being better than better than people expect next I think that, year, uh, which can... is not to say. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, which is just not to say that I think the Knicks are going to be great or anything, but I think he could be, I think he could be better than people, than people think he will be. Yeah, I remember hearing or reading at some point. I you know, look it up in the internet or something, but I think the the Turkish coach said that Kanner was like the best shooter he'd ever seen. Wow. Um, which I don't know what that tells you about Cantor or about <laughs> his basketball. his game versus in practice versus in, in in game situations, or more likely Turkish basketball and and, yeah. or and the coach himself in Turkey. Or... <laughs> Who's what are some other? Do we know any other notable Turkish players? Turk Glue. I don't know how to say his name right. He was. Aiden. Yeah, who's definitely a better shooter than Does Cantor. Ku, where's Kukoc from? He's uh, from uh, Croatia, I think. Yeah, no, he's, he's not. Yeah, I think he's former Yugoslavia, right? Yeah, okay. he's Croatian. That Joel can't sense. hear me, but he's Croatian. Not Joel's not Croatian. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um, I know all the Yugoslav players. Name one, and I'll tell you which Republic. Oh, of course. From. How am I? Furkan Aldemir. He's he's Turkish, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and maybe Furkan, the famous. Is Furkan? I guess Furkan Korkmaz might be too. Yeah, definitely. Is a total, uh, Turkish name. Okay. Uh, th- these are two former Sixers players. I feel ashamed. That Wait, I didn't they're know. already the other guys already. Oh, uh, actually, look. Well, <laughs> uh, Aldemir is former. Uh, Korkmaz is still on the team. But he will probably play a lot with our D League affiliate this year, the Delaware Sevens, who are probably better than the New York Knicks will be uh, this year. I'm, I'm excited for the Knicks no to suck this year so that they can get the number one draft pick and then start uh, this kid who is definitely from one of the former U.S. Luka Doncic? Luka Doncic, yeah. yeah. Start him, Nilakina, Cantor, Porzingis, and Willie Hernan Gomez mm. for the for the totally international starting lineup. Yes. Do people really think the Knicks are going to be that bad this year? Is that that's the projected? I haven't paid any attention to that. No, I, think, no, I, don't, is, I don't think. Are they'll they be projected that bad. to be at the real bottom of the East? Or I think they're going to be really bad. That the challenge is that there's just some teams that are really really bad, like the Bulls are probably worse like none of like among all the bad teams they probably don't have players as good as porzingis mm-hmm. and like even to us like Hernan gomez is like a decent player and uh, i don't think nick uh frankie frankie smokes is gonna be uh that great <laughs> but um it'll probably take him a while if he's gonna be good right it'll take him a little bit before he's good yeah he's pretty he's got a thin frame he wasn't even playing that much in Europe. He's got a uh, he's got a little time. You have a so. thin frame. 
I do have a thin frame, <laughs> and I would be a terrible NBA <laughs> basketball player. <laughs> Um, I uh, okay. I have, a, I have a question for y'all. Were, were y'all surprised by the speed at which? So, so Mello, from what I know, had been had been saying he only wanted to go to Houston for like over a month, I think. Um, and then it seemed like the same day that he expanded it to the Cavs and the Thunder. They traded him either that that day or the very next day. They traded him to the Thunder, and I was really surprised that that the Cavs didn't. I mean, as far as I know, the Cavs didn't even get to make an offer. Which, uh, yeah, I don't know. It seemed really odd to me. I was wondering what y'all thought about that. Yeah, I I imagine the way these things. So there's, I think there's a little banana boat situation in play here uh, for our listeners. Uh, there was a pretty famous picture a few summers ago of LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul. Dwayne Wade was on that and too. Dwayne on Wade. That boat. Yeah. Who just got bought out. Who just got bought out on this. I think Mello was taking the picture, right? Oh, was Mello. Okay. So who, who else was on the boat then? Was, uh, it wasn't. I think Gabrielle Union was on the boat. Oh, with him. okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, Dwayne Wade's um, significant other. I don't know. You think she was really on that boat? I, I think that would be a little bit much. Yeah, I thought it was the four of them. And but she I was did, the one taking the picture. I did think Carmela was the one taking the picture, so that would, would be who's our fourth. I think no, we she, can... she took the picture. I'm going to look up the banana boat I'm looking picture. it up. We're all looking up the banana boat picture, and Greg is going to entertain the listeners while we do that. What? Actually... <laughs> I think so. What I was gonna say is, I feel like there's a little banana boat uh, situation where these guys just like in their agents, they get in a room, they get the general managers on the phone, they're like, "This is how we want it to work." And so Melo was like trying to get that to work to Houston, and they're like, "Nah, it's not gonna work." The Knicks don't want to take Ryan Anderson, which is basically what they would have had to do to do that. And then it's like, "Well, do I want to go to Oklahoma City?" You know, you get Russ, you get Paul George on the phone, you get the agents, and then. And then I think probably by the time they said there was a workable trade, then I'm guessing it came out, okay, now Mello will go to OKC, then the Knicks do the trade. I feel like that's how it probably So you think the, the offer from OKC preceded the Mello dropping his, or, you know, whatever, allowing an exemption from his no trade clause? Yeah, or I think it's all kind of like conversations happening between agents and players and teams. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if Mello would come to OKC, what would y'all give up? You know, yeah. and then that gets back to the Knicks, and then they, because this was kind of a thing where every the Knicks and Mello wanted this to work out, right? Or they want it, they want it to be separated. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, my guess is that Cleveland probably also had some offer, just some standing offer, um, and or the Knicks had had you know, uh looked at Cleveland assets and had some idea of what they would have wanted and uh and just they felt like this was the better deal and and didn't get too serious in talks with Cleveland um and then the moment that that Mello dropped his no trade clause you guys, you guys are very interested in this banana boat picture still? What's going actually, on? I just found a banana boat picture where it was, <laughs> it was actually Cantor. Uh, <laughs> Willie Hernan Gomez. <laughs> Frankie Smokes. Um, actually, I kind of want to read the um, little preview 
on a banana boat from Wikipedia. Uh, a banana boat is an unpowered, inflatable, recreational boat meant to be towed. Different models usually accommodate three to ten riders sitting on a large main tube, resting their feet on two laterally flanking tubes, which stabilize the boat. That's what a banana boat is. Yeah, we could see the picture. <laughs> ten people is a lot of people on, on yeah. one banana boat. Yeah. That's like a whole first team and second team right there. Yeah. I would love to be on a banana boat with all you guys right now. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Apparently, I'll be on the banana boat by myself. That's okay. As long as I have a toe, I will be good. Um, I can get you a toe. Um, speaking of, I guess so. My my thought was my thought was I was curious if the fact that Cleveland didn't even really seem to be in play made y'all think about whether you know, if, if that had any bearing on LeBron staying or not, you know, if, if somehow like Carmelo had some inside info that LeBron wasn't going to be there or might not be there. I bet. I think that that, that probably has something to do with it, but I think also going to OKC, there's a decent chance that Paul George or Russ won't be there next year. And Melo does have an opt out. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm guessing the Cleveland thing didn't work out because Cleveland didn't like New York didn't want the trade that Cleveland had to offer. Is my guess. And I think they would have had to take yeah. on more money from Cleveland. I think they would have to take Shumpert and maybe either Channing Fry or J.R. Smith. Or, that was the offer. Was was Shumpert and Fry? I remember reading, reading at some point. I don't. I mean, that's just not that great. Yeah, bring the old Knicks back. Get the band yeah. back together. <laughs> Where's what's Jordan Hill up to these days? I mean, that's one of those things you know. Steve Novak. <laughs> the 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 actual upside is is so minimal and so certain that I think it it just makes it much more interesting to at least you know who knows what can go wrong now. But yeah, as you alluded to earlier with the Knicks, it's just like the degrees of bad that you go on. You know, it's not. It's always a bad outcome. It's just how bad. <laughs> And yeah, so there's something particularly depressing about the known terrible high, you know, low upside outcome. At least this can be interestingly <laughs> bad. Though. It's nothing. Yeah. Nothing that's not already happened with Fry and Shumpert. Yeah. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Um, so we're on the street. Oh, and actually, I think the Dwayne Wade note is so Dwayne Wade was bought out by the Bulls today. And so he I'm guessing he is going to pop up with on a banana boat team. Which at this point, so it would be either the Thunder or the Cavs. Oh, Which unlucky or... team? <laughs> Did you just coin that designation as a banana boat team, or is is that out there already? I think people people use this term banana like they refer to that collection of players and friends as like the banana boat like kind of crew cohort. Yeah. Uh huh. Um. So I don't know if I'm using that correctly, but I feel good about it. I like it. You could Thank look you. up the Wikipedia article again and see if you're using it. <laughs> Should I read that again? <laughs> <laughs> I just like there's a Wikipedia article on a banana boat. Does that make, does that, I guess there needs to be a Wikipedia article on How a banana boat? How do you submit boat? a Wikipedia article for banana boat team? I think that's probably a Wikipedia article. Yeah. Or do you think it's a whole, a whole article or is it just a section of like one of their articles? That would be fun if at the top of that, the article on the actual banana boats if there was like a disambiguation oh, boat yeah. with nba players carmelo anthony lebron james chris paul um, 
So anyhow, it'll be interesting to see where Wade pops up, but I'm guessing Thunder, Rockets, or Cleveland. I would probably put my money on Cleveland. If he goes to the Thunder, that is so many guys that need the ball. That is just that, like, and a couple guys that in Wade and Russ that can't shoot. Um, so yeah, Joel, you want do you want Wade to yeah, land on the Thunder? I would I would not want D Wade. No, definitely not. Um, they've made enough splashy moves for one summer. Probably more more than splashy. enough splashy moves for one summer. <laughs> no more splashing on the banana boat is what you're saying. Yeah, uh, yeah, we've got yeah one one banana boat uh, <laughs> occupant is is good enough for OKC I think. Nice, nice. Uh, I just out of curiosity because we've been kind of hitting the banana boat pretty hard. Um, <laughs> I mean, what is? Say, uh, I just what what do people think the fascination with that photo revolves around? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it revolves around? I don't know. It just seems to come up so often. I mean, it, it's any time. I mean, I, I, I I'd say every three or four months minimum. It's it's put into some sports article. Um, a friend of mine once said the beach is the most, oh no, I'm not going to go there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think there's a, there's a lot of, I think sometimes a banana boat is just a banana boat. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) you know, that's what I was looking for. (laughs) It doesn't, no reference or index or anything. It's just (laughs) its own sui generis (laughs) entity in the world. (laughs) I wonder how many times uh, Sui Generis has been used to talk about the banana boat on podcasts. I think we might be breaking new ground here. We're definitely breaking new ground. Also, I looked it up on Wikipedia. There is a disambiguation of banana boat page. uh, And the collection of basketball players is under art, entertainment, and media. Ah. Um, Food, drink, and related items. There's a a cocktail called the banana boats. Banana Mm. boat. So when Greg said we were hitting the banana boats pretty hard. To be clear, I had a feeling. To, to be clear, we are not drinking banana boat cocktails right now. We are not. We're banana boat sunscreen. Thankfully, um, but Greg, were you getting at? Do you think? Were you getting at? I mean, clearly, banana boat is uh, is a phallic shape. Is that is that where you, is that where you're getting at? Uh, I mean, that was that was one of many possible valences. I think, yeah. I mean, the homoerotic element is definitely there. Gabrielle and, Union was there. Well, was, was she? On she? The boat? I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that's oh, yeah. why it's such a controversial thing. It's one of these. She was on the boat. She's at the front of the boat. Yeah. Oh, uh, Mello is taking the picture. Joel was exactly right. Joel has a disturbing, uh, you know, photographic memory of the banana boat picture. And at- it's kind of unfair that he can't hear me right now <laughs> to defend himself. Yeah, I Do guess- you agree, Joel. <laughs> I couldn't hear what Cord said. <laughs> Um, um, I think another, I think another, I think also there's probably, maybe this is like the general social, social media craze with athletes and celebrities. I think it's just interesting to see celebrities and and athletes do like regular things. And so I think something goofy, (laughs) like goofy, like being on a silly, being on a banana boat is a regular thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like you go on vacation and you're like, oh, should we rent this weird boat and just like get towed across the water? Like, yeah, that's weird. You know? And then you see like LeBron James doing it and you're like, oh wow, he just does weird things with his friends too. 
you know. Here's my 20 seconds of what I think is the fascination was they were not on the same team at the time and they mm. were like all friends. And then it was people being like, look, they're all friends. Maybe they all want to play for the same team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's, I think that's right. And there was already when the Heatles got together, like there was all this, oh, D- Wade and LeBron and Bosch, they had been planning this for like years. And so I think it's like, oh, here they're on the banana boat. What's their next plan? How are they all going to get together? Right. But I think there is a little bit mixed in of sort of like, you know, those are attractive people on the banana boat. And they yeah. were wearing a lot of clothes. People like True. to look at that. True. True. Yeah, I'm not sure how regular that, that feels. It, it feels a little kind of extra mundane. <laughs> this is... <laughs> I don't know I don't, what extra mundane means. I mean, it's just, it's like, it's it's a real... Uh, you have such else a to pause put in between it. I couldn't tell if you were saying extra mundane or extra mundane. No, I mean it's it's like, I mean if you want like a real, it's not just those four or five people kind of sitting around in beach chairs drinking Miller Lights. It's like, it's it's hyper real. I guess is what it is. And I'm not going to try to explain what that means, but <laughs> it's for you, the listener, to decide. Look it up on Wikipedia. Um, speaking of hyperreal, uh, I want to ask Joel: How many dimensions is regular chess? Um, re- I would say that regular chess is two-dimensional. I mean, obviously, the pieces have height, so they exist in three dimensions, but. The game is played in two dimensions. Okay. Um, okay. Do you? Um, okay. Let's see, Greg. What do you think? I was gonna say I I would um, say that either two or three. I'm not counting height. I think that it can be playing on a computer in two dimensions, but uh, with a, uh, the clock would be the third dimension. Mm. Court, what do you think? I agree with Greg. Uh, well, more on the side of th- three dimensions, sort of the time element being the third dimension, either via clock of like actual moves or um, going back and forth through move history. Um, poss- I would say four d- four dimensions is a possibility. With the uh, you know, there's actually the, the chess pieces exist in space. They are real objects as much as anybody can say reality exists. Joel, are you eating a lot of chips right now? Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. I was uh, breaking down a car- cardboard box. <laughs> that is extra mundane. <laughs> it's also relevant to our dimensional talk because it's going from three dimensions to two dimensions. Nice. <laughs> Nicely done. Nice. Nice. Um, Still waiting sorry, for a, a picture the answer, of though? the, uh, who was it? Wayne and and LeBron James breaking down cardboard boxes. I think that, that uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Last time somebody we talked, we said something about LeBron like playing a violin or something, and then I found a picture online of LeBron playing a violin, and we made it the picture for the uh, podcast. Yeah. So I think we could probably find a picture of them. Yeah. Interacting Actually, with cardboard boxes. I'm trying to think of what would be like the the most like I don't know if your parents did this, but growing up, my my dad and his friends, they would like re, um, I don't know what it was. Was it asphalt? Was it gravel? They would like redo our driveway. Um, I'm trying to think of a picture of like LeBron and Wade just like 
you know, redoing their driveway, you know, ripping it up, throwing down some new, some new asphalt. That would be that. I'm thinking of something really regular. What else, or maybe like, oh, you know, we went, we went grocery shopping today. There's yeah. a sale at Costco. Not to not to hammer the banana boat too hard, but I mean, <laughs> that's like, <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> that's what. Um, some, I mean, I think that the banana boat is in that direction, but but yet one degree further, uh, which is what what makes it such a captivating image, um, is because it has. This, I mean, it is a very regular thing. It's putting down asphalt. It's breaking down boxes. There's all sorts of sexual valences to all this stuff. But <laughs> but then it's even. I mean, it's, it's more than that. It's not. It's not less. It's not like the. <laughs> Oh okay. god. <laughs> this is peak podcast you're listening so, to yeah, right now. Sometimes Joel really is just breaking out a cardboard box. <laughs> <laughs> the sounds you hear are just the box, like a real cardboard box. Um all right. This is this this was great. Um Okay. So yeah, um I think we've I don't I don't know if we came away with an answer on the chess thing. We were wondering it because playing four-dimensional chess is a is things that people are saying now, and so it begs the question: How many dimensions are actual chess? I think uh, Court and Greg's case about the time and the sequencing element uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and I know actually to tie it back to other sports, sequencing in like baseball is a really important kind of random element. I guess you would say in baseball. Uh, the order in which you get hits or not has a lot to do with how many runs you get. Uh, even if like the amount of hits probably says more about how good your team is. Um, all that say it's an important element, I suppose in chess, the sequencing should not be random or lucky. It should be strategic. And so that seems to be a dimension that we should consider. Um, so how many dimensions would you say it would be? I think three. Yeah, I think three, three sounds right. Um, Three sounds right to me. But but three but three only if you're playing with a timer. No, even without it's that's actually what that was my first response to court when we were talking earlier. But I think you could say that even without a timer, that just thinking about the sequence of the moves is the third dimension is a is a is a right like it's it's different whether you move like the one like let's say you move two pawns. Um, if you move them in the opposite order that you actually did, that probably changes the game, right? Yes. Yeah. So okay. This, so this so that that could be another dimension, like the order in which you decide to make the moves. I mean, the the moves themselves, like yeah. But wouldn't that just be a different? I mean, wouldn't that just be a different? Okay. Well, this, I'm not gonna. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How many dimensions does Go have? Um, Joe, uh, so Joel is a big Go Go player. Uh, kind of riffing on this, how many dimensions would you say Go has, Joel? I I would say the same. Yeah, I'm still thinking about what this idea of sequencing because I I wouldn't think of sequencing as necessarily being or the sequence of the game. I mean, the sequence of the game is just the game itself, right? Like if you if you play if you move the pawns in a different order, then you're just looking at a different 
game tree, right? That's like existing in a different hypothetical universe. I, I'm buying where <laughs> you're selling. Not. I'm buying where you're selling. Um, but I think as the player making the moves, like I, I think you could describe the dimensions as so like one of the dimensions is right the forward movement you can make on the board. And another movement is like the lateral movement. Another dimension is the lateral movement. And so like as the player taking the, the moves, um, and you could kind of think about those as one direction. It's like you're just changing the XY coordinates of a chess piece. But we're thinking about it as like two like distinct dimensions that you as the player control. And so similarly, you could say you control like the forward and the lateral movement while also you control the sequencing of the moves. And so, like, from your perspective, there's, like, three, at least three dimensions that you can consider in any given move. Because um, this this move that I take is is now part of my sequence, and there, therefore I have not created this other sequence, which is this dimension I did not explore in that moment. Um, I'm sure anybody <laughs> still listening is hating themselves. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Some, which, somebody, yeah, somebody could figure this out. I'd, yeah. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's worth continuing down this path, <laughs> maybe. Okay, well... Um, Tune in next time for how many dimensions basketball is. Yes, using sports view data. Um, well, cool. Uh, thanks, Greg and Joel, for joining. Uh, this was really fun. And um, we hope yeah. to do it again soon. Yeah, thanks, guys. It was fun. Um, I, I look forward to seeing a photo of our faces uh, on the banana boat picture posted with the podcast. Uh, already four channels of audio is a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> um, we will see if that makes the cut after um, uh, editing. Uh, shout out to Court for all the editing. Court does all the editing. We, uh, I also would need a picture of Greg. It's really hard to find a picture of Greg online. Oh, it's out there. <laughs> Do some digging. If anybody wants to draw a picture of Greg and send it to us, uh, mm-hmm. or draw a picture of the four of us on the banana boat. Oh yes, that yeah. you would win uh, half court mid range if you do that. We will. That will be our new logo if yes. you draw the four of us on the banana boat. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you all for listening, and uh, have a good day. Yeah.